Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. Out of the gates and ready to go. OutKick 360 is underway from 6th and Peabody. Friday edition is here. Just like that, the weekend is upon us. We're going to get you ready for the college football weekend plus the Week 11 slate across the NFL. Danny Cannell will be with us. That's coming up in an hour. We'll talk college football headlines with him. Uh, plus, Chad's got his top 10 college football games of the week. That is in about 20 minutes from now. We've got some upset picks for you and much more. The Titans win over the Green Bay Packers last night for Thursday night football. All the momentum with Green Bay after that one week, Chad, after Sunday and four days later, the world is ending again. 27-17, the final. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. That was really the opportunity. And by the way, we're going we're gonna to speed into this weekend here. Okay, We're not going to go right. faltering right. our way into a weekend of football. We're going to go fast into the weekend. We're going to be ready to go today. It's going to be a fun show. Looking forward to talking with Danny Cannell, world-renowned SEC uh, uh, denier. Yeah. Uh, Danny Cannell is how I would describe him. That's going to be fun coming up. Yeah, the There's Packers, always that one friend. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> You told him, you know, the sky's blue. They're going to tell you why it's not. That's Danny Cannell. And we you love tell Shaq there's only one moon. He's going to say absolutely not. He's going to tell you about that time in Auburn when he was driving and the moon appeared on the other side of his car. And that means there's two moons. Look, um, last night, we, we previewed it yesterday. That was the opportunity for the Titans to, I'm sorry, the Packers to reclaim their season. And instead what happened, the Titans went in there and Ryan Tannehill throws for 333 yards and they showed a side of their offense they have not shown all year against a good Packers defense. That was an impressive performance by Tannehill, the Titans receivers, tight ends, and a really impressive performance by Mike Vrabel. Once again, I tweeted this out after the game. Dude is an elite football coach at any level, but he is an elite NFL head coach right now. I'm, I'm ready to pronounce that, and he showed why last night. That's a great road win for the Titans and really suffocated – any life the Packers were showing in that Sunday comeback win against the Cowboys. Well, and they, they, it was 20-17. to 17. They drove 63 yards, the Titans, to go get a touchdown and made it a two-score game. That game was different in, in how they went about winning. 27 points, season high for them. Uh, the defense then followed that touchdown with four stops. Aaron Rodgers was errant with some passes, but the, the offense was never in rhythm. They were backed up in some situations. The real turning point of the game, though, was when Henry was stopped on that fourth down around the goal line. And Green Bay got the ball back after that long drive in the third quarter where the Titans dominated time of possession. Um, and Green Bay got the ball back and had the three and out where Rodgers barely got out of the end zone. The entire body's got to be inside the end zone for it to be a safety. And throws the pass away. They end up punting from their own end zone. Titans get it right back. Great field position. Already deep into Green Bay territory, they drive down and get the touchdown anyway. That, that was the flip in the game where if Green Bay was going to have a sign of life, 
like they did against the Cowboys, it was at that moment. And while Christian Watson seems to be a, a budding star for them, there is no consistency if you stop the Green Bay rushing attack. Green Bay had that in the first half against Dallas, Chad. The Titans defense, no one's running on them. And they did a great job last night defensively with their overall plan. And while I didn't think Aaron Rodgers by any means was uncomfortable in the pocket, um, you know, under duress, I think the Titans only sacked him one time. At, at no point did I think, you know what, there's some momentum here with their offense and they're about to go drive and score. Titans shut them down. Yeah, I agree. And um, three possessions total in the first half for the Packers. I think that was ultimately the story of the game was not just the game plan, but the execution of it from the Titans to limit possessions by with Aaron Rodgers and the offense, lengthen drives, get a bunch of big throughout the night, third down pass pickups. Mm-hmm. Um, very impressive performance all around from the Titans. I, it wasn't even a joke. I, I said throughout the year, this is not a team that will ever score more than 24 points in a game. And they scored 27 in Lambeau in a night where it was snow flurries uh, throughout a good chunk of the game. So very impressive win for the Titans. Back to square one, though, for the Packers, who now Hutton are really up against it in terms of playoff chances, in terms of what they have to do, and almost how perfect they have to be down the stretch to get back in the race. And also, the difference for the Titans here, and this factors into the league, the AFC playoff seeding, all of it now moving forward. Traylon Burks, who the Titans, when they traded away A.J. Brown, moved up to the 16th pick and selected Traylon Burks out of Arkansas. This was the coming out party for him within the, the rookie season, which is he's been banged up. There was a slow start in the offseason. This was the, the time for him to be on display, and this is a great time for him to actually turn a corner. They're trying to get him and Chickaconquo, another rookie tied in, more involved. And if they can get a Conquo involved, Chad, that means Austin Hooper. Things open up for him. We saw that last night. And with Traylon Burks, over 100 yards receiving and the best game by far of his rookie season, if they are able to have some semblance of a downfield passing attack, because they got that last night, 31 yards to a Conquo. Uh, they had a 43-yard pass to Traylon Burks. They had a 42-yard screen on a great play call to, to Derrick Henry. Uh, Robert Woods, as a number two receiver last night, was very good. There are signs of optimism for an offense that has been stuck in the mud. How consistent can they be in that? Because Henry was, for the most part, shut down. He was very, very productive in the pass game, which is more or less a branch of their run game with those screens. They want to get him in the open field against smaller defensive backs and safeties. But can they do that more consistently with their wideouts? Can Traylon Burks be a consistent factor instead of just a blip on the radar? We'll find out moving forward. Now, 10 days, Cincinnati's the next team that will come in. Uh, Jamar Chase, by the way, for the Bengals has been ruled out this week. He's expected back in week 12 as the Titans will host the Bengals with Cincinnati going to Pittsburgh this week and then a chance to... Uh, try to stack some wins within the AFC as they're battling for the playoffs. Um, they get back, the Titans do last night, and their offensive coordinator, Todd Downing, is uh, cited and uh, charged with driving under the influence. Booked around, like, 4.30 in the morning, something like that. 4.46 a.m., I think, was his official time of his booking, and he was he was uh, out on bail by, like, 6.55 a.m., a couple hours later. Yeah, they, it just, you know, that, that's going to be a storyline now 
uh, moving forward as, as to how the league will handle it because there is a league policy with this that the, the Titans will have to follow. I'm sure there's internal <laughs> discipline too. But this was, for Todd Downing, this was his best game play calling, I think, since he took over for Arthur Smith. I don't think there's a stretch there considering that the run game really wasn't all that effective. It was impactful because they were able to sustain drives. They ate clock. So it's not like it was three and out and two yards per carry. But Henry didn't. He averaged, I think, just over three in this game. But you still had to respect the run. Downing, who has been on the perpetual hot seat with the fan base locally based on the production or lack thereof and the inability to to win games in the postseason dating back to last year and how things finished there. Um, Coming off the best game of his offensive coordinator tenure here in Nashville last year and this year, this is awful because now you've got a a spot where Tim Kelly, who was the offensive coordinator for the Houston Texans, is already here. And, you know, coming off a great game, Chad, I'm, I'm automatically thinking, well, if Tim Kelly, if Downing's suspended or whatever it ends up being, and Tim Kelly really <clears throat> picks up and takes off with this, there's your guy. And maybe, maybe that's a stretch, too, because, again, he was very good. Downing was very good last night calling this game. He had a great game plan. But this is a you know, one step forward, two steps back issue with Downing. And, you know, if it was more the same of what we've seen, I wonder what happens instead of great game and great game plan by the overall offense and production. You talked about the criticism from Titans fans towards Todd Downing. I found out about this story this morning. Got a text from a buddy who's a diehard Titans fan that says, man, this isn't the way that I was hoping to get rid of Todd Downing, but it'll do when he saw the news about the DUI. And I'm thinking... Well, not after that performance. Not after, right. I mean, that was great last night what we saw out of Todd Downing. If, if you're a Titans fan, you got to be pleased that the touchdown pass from Derrick Henry, what a great call that was, the, the pass to Austin Hooper for the touchdown. It was a great game for him. Great game plan, great pass schemes throughout the game to get guys open. Uh, the deep shot to Traylon Burks. But the way they, they get set the up, ball back, two I things. mean, there were so many things the I liked subtlety. about his plan. The, the plan of the fourth and one where they get to the line – you know, the, the official comes up, the white hat comes up to Tannehill, and Tannehill's like, because I think he's asking him, we're about to reset the play clock. And you can see Tannehill do the play clock, like, let's pump it. And then as soon as the, the play clock resets, they rush to the line on fourth down. Then he acts like he can't hear the call or he's confused about the check at the line. They direct snap to Henry. They he dives forward. He gets the great execution there on just a subtlety. And then the, the disguise, I did not think, and I've seen the Henry pass Many times. He threw for a touchdown uh, last year in a 27-3 win over Kansas City. This one was different in how they set this up. And and Tannehill, even with the ball fake on, acting like he's throwing over the top, like the Tim Tebow jump pass. And it ended up being Henry. So Henry ends up with 130 all-purpose yards. He throws for a touchdown to Austin Hooper. Again, all of the design was very well executed and well-timed based on downing. And then, you know, lands in Nashville and gets the DUI. Now you're trying to figure out Okay, long weekend now. Next week's the holiday week. I think they'll, you know, typically if, you're, if you have the Thursday game before Thanksgiving, you'll practice Tuesday and Wednesday. You're off Thursday and you practice again on Friday. And you're now in the back stretch of the season with a ton of momentum, but the uncertainty of what's going to happen with the play caller now. 
Yeah, it's uh, look, there's never a good time to get arrested, obviously, right. but um, coming off last night with that performance, it, it, it felt like a breakthrough for the Titans. Not that a team that's 7-3 and three and in control of their division is in need of a breakthrough, but going back this morning and, and re-watching every play of that game, especially on offense, what I saw, Hutton, was, boy, this is a Titans team that may break their identity a bit, and that's a good thing. They can actually break the mold at times of having to run it. They're going to have to play great defense. That's part of their formula. But they showed some different things they can do, and Traylon Burks gave you a glimmer of hope that in the last part of this season, he can be something pretty good for the Titans. So there was a lot of hope coming out of that, and then to wake up and get this news, it's unfortunate. Well, and it's moving forward, big picture now. If you're, if you're trying to jump on the Titans bandwagon from afar – the question is, do you believe in the postseason Tannehill can have a performance like this that he did last night? Because the Titans won 12 games. They're the number one seed in the AFC last year. Vrabel's the coach of the year last year. Another great performance by him this season. Defense was very good last year. And a run game that you had to respect even without Derrick Henry. The, the, the question then, how we'll judge this team and how you have to figure out if you're on board or not is if you think Ryan Tannehill is going to go 22 of 27 and have the highest completion percentage of his Titan career, which he did last night. And I know he had the one turnover. It was a great disguise by the Packers secondary. But, you know, he, he started both halves against Cincinnati in the postseason last year with a pick on his first attempt in each half. You know, if you, if you think it's going to be more of what we've seen this year from him, in the last two weeks especially, been very good despite him not being very mobile, then... Yeah, they, they can turn a corner. But until then, until they prove it in the, the magnitude of the moment against a very good team, and the Packers are not good, um, it's, it's hard for me to just go all in, chips on the table, and say, yeah, this is the year. It still is. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm, not, I'm not coming close to that. Again, I, I'm calling this a glimmer. There was a glimmer of hope last night that I saw that this offense can possibly do more than I thought they could. And they did yeah. that last night. So it, a breakthrough from Traylon Burks, a slight breakthrough from Robert Woods at times. They're getting the tight ends involved more in the game. Um, again, I'm not ready to declare anything other than what I've already declared. This is a defense-first, run-the-football team. But you have to find other ways to win in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. I didn't think they were capable of that. I thought all year, collision course to win the division, lose in the first playoff game. I still ultimately believe that's the case. But last night may change that if we can see more of that with that offense where they can do some different things. And a, Very encouraging factor, sign for the Titans. Get Bill Vinovich as your white hat. He throws his crew for consecutive seasons now. He throws the least amount of penalties among any crew in the NFL. That was the case last night. And I think coaches like that. Titans got into a rhythm. And you know the, the Packers could have too. The difference is they're just more in sync and in tune with their identity. Tennessee is. And Green Bay was trying to figure out theirs, thought they had found it against Dallas in a comeback win. And now, four days later, the, uh, the tweets from you know, the national perception is, hey, is it time to, uh, is it time to go to Jordan Love? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Which is crazy to think about. From time to turn the page. Or like I said, let's, uh, let's look at a trade for uh, Aaron Rodgers and Trey Lance. Let's get Trey Lance as the next Packers I, quarterback. I don't hate that idea. Send him home. Send him back to his home. <laughs> Back to the elements. It's a homecoming for Aaron Rodgers. At least we did get a little snow. Well, yeah, last it is. Night. It is a home. <laughs> you're right. It's a it's a return to the elements for uh, 
for Trey Lance too, but I believe North Dakota State actually plays indoors. So he's not uh, accustomed to many elements at home at North Dakota State when he played there. It, uh, at least we did get a little snow last night, though. Yeah. We're not going to see it. We'll see it in Buffalo, but we're not going to see the game in Buffalo. Buffalo, the Bills are just, they were not able to practice. They're trying to get to Detroit because of the weather. Cleveland's bussing. Again, it's that close. Have you seen the photo today of uh, Highmark Stadium? No. In, in Orchard Park? We'll, we need to find that. The Bills yes. uh, posted it, tweeted it out. But if we, if we can show that photo, it's, oh, here it oh, is. Oh, here it is. Look at this. Good, good job. Wow. Good job by our team to have that ready to go. I mean, you would have to, a running back would have to tunnel through that if they just left it. <laughs> you wouldn't be able to see anything. Obviously, couldn't play that way. You'd have to well, they, uh, they get would. a lot of snow plows out there to make the, the field playable. But Sunday looks good, forecast-wise. The snow is going to be on the ground, but you can clear it, and it's not going to be bad on Sunday. But it's a emergency personnel resource issue for Western New York. My brother-in-law, who's from Western New York, is saying, oh, this is a good thing. You know, they have to have the resources. My response was, you know, the people of Western New York can manage on their own. I want to see snow football. That's what I want. The police, they need, they need to go the same. I want to, this should not get in the way of me watching this snow football game in, in Buffalo. The Packers, going back to your point about you know, what they do from here, they're now 4-7. and seven. They've lost six of their last seven. And come, you've got the home game, Titans on a short week, banged up, and that's how you perform. That's troubling. And you can see the frustration on LaFleur's face, too, on the sideline. There was just no... There, there were two straight... There's no confidence um, in what they're doing. There were two straight three and outs late when they were down 10 in the fourth quarter needing something, and the frustration on Aaron Rodgers' face each time. You know, a fourth and ten, they throw deep one time, and it's a miscommunication. The receiver stops, and it's just a. It was very defeated looking with him. Not even as much frustration as yeah. just not it is what giving it is. up. Just defeated. Yeah. You're, you're. There was a reservation on his face that he's reserved in knowing we're just not very good on offense. Coming up, Withrow is great at picking out the top ten games of the college football weekend. If you start looking around the SEC slate and you see some of these matchups and. Man, this could be a difficult week. Well, he's done it. He's done it yet again. The games you need to pay attention to for the Saturday slate across college football that's next on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming up in 25 minutes, I've got three outright underdogs that I believe win on Sunday across the NFL. Plus, Danny Cannell joins us in 35 minutes across the Outkick Network. From 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine, Outkick 360 rolls on. And it is time for Chad Withrow's Top 10 Games of the College Football Weekend. Need more reasons to watch college football? It's time to bang some hats. Here's Chad Withrow's must-see games this weekend. 
Colin wanted me to step all over that intro, but I chose against it. I decided to let it roll. It's a beautiful intro. Um, beautiful weekend of games also. Hutton, I'm, I'm, I was a little bit surprised. Earlier in the week, I said, I'm going to have a hard time getting to 10 on this. I was surprised that I had a hard time cutting from 13 oh. to 10 when we got these games. So not quite a, as bad of a weekend as I thought, but as you'll see with numbers 10 through around 8, Maybe not the quality we've seen in the past, the bottom of the list. That's why we're going to start in the Mountain West. Game number 10 of the weekend. Boise State at Wyoming. Why is this a top game, you ask? Here's the reason. In the Mountain West Conference, they have a Mountain Division and they have a West Division. This game is for the Mountain Division. Boise State is 6-0. Wyoming, 5-1. Boise State, a 14-point road favorite in this game. But Hutton, you know what I always say? You don't just roll into Laramie no. and come out with a win You're not. easily. Wyoming has some of the most beautiful uniforms in all of sports. I'm a huge fan of the Cowboys uniform. I'm a huge fan of watching games in, in Laramie. It's going to be in the teens to low 20s for this game. It's on CBS Sports Network, 7 p.m. Eastern tomorrow night. Uh, this could be a fun one. Fun high-scoring game. You liking brown and yellow uniforms surprises me. Yeah, it's it's um, it is a bit of a surprise, but it's <laughs> it's, it's the way they it's how they it put it together. You know, also why I think I really like it. Just going back into the annals of my mind, the old college football game on EA Sports. Yes. When I was in college, Which is coming back, we would pick a team and go dynasty mode and play against people in the apartment complex or the dorm. Yes, and everyone had a team, and the the second team I chose was Wyoming. And I messed with the uniform combination the whole time, and I think that's why I liked it. My first team I went with was UNLV. Ended up winning national titles UNLV. And I had a tight end that I recruited by the name of Byron Torres on this game. <laughs> and the tight end seam was the most unstoppable play Is in the history of football, and it pissed off my friends to no end because they would do everything to try to stop it, and you couldn't. I would just throw the tight end seam up to the 6'7 tight end he'd catch it every time. So you know how you can have GM mode in Madden? Yeah. Will we get to a point where the college football EA Sports will have NIL mode? Oh, certainly. Once they get the rights thing all figured out, and it's, it's coming back, I think, right? Yeah. You can offer that quarterback in California 3.4 yes. instead of Saban's you final gotta, offer. You got to manage your collective <laughs> as part of Dynasty mode also. Uh, game number nine. I, I love that we went from Wyoming to talking about an EA Sports game in 2003. Game number nine, Duke at Pittsburgh. The Panthers, a seven-point favorite. This is a, a noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central kickoff. Um, this is going to be one that, when you look at the records, Mike Elko in year one, head coach at Duke, he's got a great quarterback in Riley Leonard. They're 7-3. and three. Pittsburgh, on the other hand, um, slipped a bit this year from expectations. Yep. From what we saw early in the year, gave a really good fight against Tennessee, beat West Virginia in the opener. They had that horrible loss to Georgia Tech, but still here they are, Hutton, a touchdown favorite against a 7-3 and Duke team. I think this has a chance to be a really good game in the ACC. Pittsburgh coming in at 6-4 and on the season. A lot of respect for Pitt here because of their consistency. You know, they're, they're losing more than what I thought they would, but if you start looking at the final scores across college football, it's not like they've mailed it in, right? Yeah. And, you know, Duke's been consistent as well i mean we've we've seen them on the road against kansas for instance so yeah this is one i'm i'm actually interested in to see what the final score ends up being because 
I do think Duke is a live dog here. Yeah, I, I so the most I watched of Duke this year, full disclosure, was that heartbreak against North Carolina, where they should have beat one loss North Carolina and had it ripped from them in the end in heartbreaking fashion. Um, but Mike Elko's done a heck of a job with Duke. David Cutcliffe did one of the great coaching yeah. jobs in college football in his time there at Duke, uh, but it slipped a little bit late in his tenure, and Mike Elko's coming in and done a terrific job. Game number eight, Georgia at Kentucky. We're going to the SEC for the first time. Bulldogs, a 22-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. We're going to get into something I wrote for OutKick about the five biggest storylines I'm watching this week. Um, and it's going to factor into that a little bit with this one. Here's what I think about Kentucky, though, Hutton. We, we actually chose this for our sixth and Peabody IPA parlay. I think the Wildcats cover in this game, and here's why. This is a pride game for Kentucky. And while Will Levis has been terrible, while they have not been able to run the football the way they want, while the defense hasn't been as aggressive as they want this year, I think Kentucky, after that abysmal performance and a loss to Vandy at home, I think they bow up and show some pride in this game. They're not going to come close to Georgia, but I don't think it's an utter blowout. I think they show themselves pretty well in this game, and I think they lose by 17, 20 points. That's why I'm picking Kentucky to cover in this game. Here's what you need about Georgia. They're great. They're the best team in the country. They also have had times this year where they haven't been terrific. The offense moves the ball when it has to every single time. The Georgia defense will bail them out every time they make a mistake. Uh, they've had turnovers, though, lately, seven in the last three games for Georgia. Kentucky's got to run the football in this one. That's going to be very difficult against Georgia's front. But something about this, even with Kentucky's offensive line not playing well recently, Hutton, I feel like this. Kentucky's going to do enough to keep this thing somewhat close to where they can cover the spread. Again, I'm not picking anything crazy. I think this is more like a 17-20 point game and not covering the 22 What you're saying is you believe Stoops. I think Kentucky shows some pride. You believe Stoops, and I'm, we're not accusing him of this last year. It was just kind of funny how it turned out at the end. Some of how he approached the second half looked as though they were trying to cover in Athens instead of win the game in Athens. Is that what you're saying happens tomorrow? Because I think, and I came in this morning, you said you wanted to take the points, and I went with you here because you've won your fair share of these and I've lost them. Um, I think this could end up being a lot like Tennessee and Kentucky. Think about what Georgia did to Hendon Hooker in the pass rush. Yeah. You think Will Levis is going to have an easy day there? Yeah, I, I mean, no. look, I think, I think Kentucky's chances is to lose. And I'm not saying win. I'm saying Yeah, this needs cover. to be like a 30-10 to 10. Okay. type game okay. to cover. And I, I think that's what it could be, 31-10, to 10 and they cover. Right? I mean, I, that's – again, I'm just saying I think Kentucky shows some pride in this game and doesn't get completely wiped off the field. Well, the way I to do, do that – I do think this is a program pride type moment where you're now on CBS in the main game and you just lost to Vandy. Teams with pride respond one way and they fight and they play hard defense, they play well, and they don't embarrass themselves – when you've lost the team for that year, and th that may be the case, they get blown out quickly in this game. Yeah, they've lost four of six since they started 4-0. You mentioned Rodriguez. He's their hope. They need like a kick return for a touchdown early. They need a, a, a play that they have been working on offensively that they have not shown, you know, trick play, whatever you want to call it. Um, something that will get Will Levis involved more with the talent that everyone's telling us that is going to the NFL draft in the first round because – Coaching-wise, offensive coordinator versus Kirby Smart's defense, it's a no contest. Throw in the towel. 
in this. No, they, they've got to get creative, and they need something big early just to get on the board, and then that's how you backdoor cover this. Yeah, Scarangelo may be skedaddling out of town after one season as offensive coordinator at Kentucky. Game number seven. This is one I think is going to be a lot closer than Georgia-Kentucky. Texas at Kansas. This game is at 3.30 Eastern on FS1. Uh, this is another game that's going to tie into some storylines we're going to discuss a little bit later in college football. This game might not end up being that crazy 57-56 Kansas win a year ago uh, where Kansas won at Texas, but this is a really cool time to be a Kansas Jayhawk football fan. They're bowl eligible. They've already exceeded expectations. They've done so uh, without Jalen Daniels, their star quarterback, for a lot of this season. He should be back for this game. These Trey's working hard to try to get back to play in this one in Lawrence. This is a house money type team with Kansas. Already bowl eligible for the first time in many years. Yeah. They play rival yeah. Kansas State next week. They're going to let it loose, have fun, like they've done all year. Texas, some pressure on them right now. They're 6-4. and four. Season's a disappointment already. You want to see it be even more disappointing? Lose your final three of the year. Lose this one again to Kansas for a second straight year. Then they go to Texas Tech next week. So I think it's going to be a good high-scoring game. Uh, Texas, a nine-point road favorite in this one. Yeah, and it feels off, just like the TCU spread last week. Especially with Jalen Daniels possibly coming back. It feels off. If it was still the backup being at quarterback for what Kansas, this maybe. Kickoff? This game is kicking off at 3.30 Eastern on FS1. DVR. Yeah, that's a that's a prime time to DVR. But you know what, Hutton? You know what it's going up against? Georgia-Kentucky. This is going to be a lot closer. We may end up watching more of this fair, fair enough. than Georgia-Kentucky, yeah, right. depending on how Kentucky comes out. Although I like the car I like the car accident. You well, know, like, do you want to see a car accident? <laughs> do, you, do you want to see an offensive car accident? Let's go ahead and scroll up to game number six if you want to see an offensive car accident. Iowa at Minnesota, 3 p.m. Eastern on Fox. Matty Ice, our resident Ray Iowan, is in here, and he's just uh, beaming right now, smile ear to ear, thinking about all those fullback dives we're going to see in this game for Iowa as the Hawkeyes go to Minneapolis. It's going to be a cold-weather game. Minnesota, a two-and-a-half-point favorite uh, going into this one. So crazy time for the Big Ten West. We'll talk a little bit more about it later. But Illinois has got to play Michigan this week. If Illinois loses, they're a 17-point underdog. Iowa will win the Big Ten West if they win this game and beat a terrible Nebraska team on Black Friday next week. That's all they got to do. They control their own destiny. Iowa, we've been making fun of their offense all year. They have... In the palm of their hand, two wins, and they're in the Big Ten championship game. Uh, Minnesota's got to win to stay in the race for the Big Ten West, and they're getting Iowa at home as a two-and-a-half-point favorite. It's going to be a low-scoring game, but it should be a good game, competitive close game. I, I, I can't, Hunt, you will not be watching. I can't watch this game. No. Um, we'll just skip right past Fox in that 2.30 window I just, for this yeah, game. I cannot watch this game. I'm sorry, Chad. The, you know what would make me want to watch this game? Snow. <laughs> Hey, uh, I don't even know if Davey, that would Davey make Hudson, me Davey Hudson, our resident meteorologist, is about to give me a thumbs up or thumbs down on whether or not there's going to be snow in the forecast in Minnesota. I'm they good. do play I, an outdoor venue there in Minnesota. This is not indoors like the Vikings. I am good for like one or two Iowa Hawkeyes games a year, and I do not want it to be the Big Ten championship game as one of those two games. Your eyes start to like concave 
at some point if you yes. watch too much Hawkeyes fo- offensive football throughout the year. Even their fans, I think, have said this throughout time. So there comes a point where you just can't watch anymore. We got snow there, Davey? Yes or no? Doesn't know. Can't find it. We need, we need quicker on the draw right there. You know what I'm going to say right now, Hutton? Snow. Hey, I just called it. It was 24 points, though, that they put on uh, Wisconsin last week. So congratulations, Hawkeyes. Game number five this week. Ole Miss at Arkansas. Hey, there was snow on the ground last week uh, in Fayetteville, Arkansas, before that game started. Ole Miss, a two-and-a-half-point road favorite at Arkansas. This game at 6.30 Central Time on SEC Network. If K.J. Jefferson is going to play, we don't know. Thought he was going to play last week. He didn't. Arkansas still had a great chance at upsetting LSU a week ago. How accurate can he be in this game? Running game really drives the boat for both of these teams in this one. I think Ole Miss is going to get it done because they've got the better run game. In a matchup, Hutton, with two teams that are going to run the football. Yeah, by about 50 yards. They're right there. Is it second and third? Or No, the Rebels lead the conference in rushing yards per game. Arkansas's third. The, the difference, Chad, is if thinking about Arkansas's defensive effort, their best overall defensive effort of the season last week against LSU. Right. No, they lost, but can they repeat that same performance against Ole Miss, who's coming off of a very emotional loss to Alabama? I would take the Rebels. I, I'm, I'm with you. Hutton, I've got good and bad news for you. The good news is you can go right back to not watching Iowa-Minnesota. Yes. Because the bad news is there's no snow in the forecast. So maybe no reason to watch that game. Uh, if you like offense, definitely no reason to watch that game. Game number four, TCU at Baylor. I was listening to a podcast uh, on the way in with some sports gambling picks. And whoever was the podcast was heavy on Baylor winning this game outright at home. TCU, a slight road favorite. Two and a half. This is another one. If you're Tennessee, if you're USC, if you're one of these teams on the outside that are trying to get into the college football playoff, you are rooting hard for John McClain's Baylor Bears at home this week. The Horn Frogs, a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, Baylor wants to run the football. They want to win time of possession. They want to drain the defense. We saw it a week ago. TCU can play some defense if they need to. They did not give up a, an offensive touchdown, and they gave up 199 total yards a week ago in Austin that win over Texas. Uh, but does Baylor have enough to get past TCU, a team that can run it, a team with Max Duggan who can run it, they can throw it. Hutton, TCU has passed every test this year. We keep putting them up there for, hey, this might be the week someone, and they keep getting past teams, even in close games. Does it happen again this week? And Miller, the running back, has a touchdown in 11 consecutive games. Chad Baylor wants to run at 60% of their offensive play calls. The question is, on the other 40%, what does that mean on the scoreboard and I think TCU showed me last week they're totally fine playing this style of game and against this style of opponent so um, maybe they don't reach 30 points yet again but I, 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 I'm more confident now in TCU than I was two weeks ago and I still feel like there should be a hiccup in the road yep. but I don't know why we're picking this one to be the week I, I don't either I, I, I'm done picking against TCU that, that's a special group that they keep passing the test they keep finding ways and I think they do so again this week at Baylor they, if, if it didn't happen at Texas last week I don't think it's happening at Baylor well, ba- this week. so Baylor wants to run it TCU allows 3.8 yards per rush that's like fourth in the Big 12 it, it's, it's fine so I don't think that's like a weakness of them that all of a sudden Baylor's able to exploit as they're right on the doorstep of achieving the college football playoff. 
Game number three. Let's stay in the Big 12. Well, Big 12 for now with one of these teams. Bedlam, baby. Oklahoma State at Oklahoma. The Sooners, a a 7.5-point favorite. 7.30 Eastern time kickoff on ABC. Rough first season for Brent Venables. We know about that. Uh, I think, though, this is a good spot for Oklahoma just because of the uncertainty around Spencer Sanders. Mike Gundy's kid, not as good as Spencer Sanders. Started at quarterback last week. Sanders had to come in injured to bail out West Virginia in the game. Did not look very healthy. May try to give it a go this week. If Spencer Sanders is healthy, I like the Cowboys in this matchup. But in Norman, even if Sanders is going maybe 60-70% good to go, I think Eric Gray is the best player on the field in this game for Oklahoma, and the Sooners get it done. Enjoy Bedlam while you can. <laughs> it's going away once the once Oklahoma leaves. Mike Gundy's adamant about that. Game number two. It is a Pac-12 weekend, ladies and gentlemen. Utah at Oregon. Pac-12 after dark. Hutton will be up for every solitary second of this game. I'm in for these. 9.30 Eastern time on ESPN. Defending Pac-12 champion, Utah. They've still got a chance. They win this game. They beat Colorado. Both of them do. They're going to be playing for, well, yes, Oregon, absolutely. Oregon with a surprise loss last week, but Utah sort of left for dead earlier in the season. They're a winning-in team, too. And they could be... The Rose Bowl's also up for grabs here, right? They got to do it, yes. They got to do it on the road, though, Hutton. But they're a two-point favorite at Oregon. I think that loss last week to Washington really changed a lot of minds about this Oregon Ducks team, especially because it came in Eugene. And Utah embarrassed Oregon in their two meetings last year. You know, the the coaching matchup, all of it. So the, 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 the recent losses for Oregon and UCLA have really dampened some of the matchups this weekend, but they can still play spoiler a bit down the stretch. And I'm, I'm sure many of the, uh, if you're a fan of some programs on the East Coast or in the, the heartland of America, you're rooting for that to happen. Yeah, and, and you're right. Blowout, blowout loss a year ago in Salt Lake City, and then another bad loss in the Pac-12 championship game for Oregon against this Utah team a year ago. And here it is, Utah now standing in their way of a possible Pac-12 championship again. And Oregon allows, on average, 34 points per game to ranked opponents. It's got to be a high-scoring game for them to win it. At home. I have a feeling, though, that Oregon's going to bounce back at home. But what does Vegas know? They know that Utah matches up very well with this Oregon team. That's why they're a road favorite in this game. Game number one. Drum roll. We're staying in the Pac-12. USC at UCLA. USC, the Trojans, a two-and-a-half-point favorite. This game is going to be on uh, at 7 p.m. Central Time on Fox. The Battle of Los Angeles, Hutton. This is an elimination game for the playoff for the Pac-12. It's plain and simple. If UCLA wins at home at the Rose Bowl as a two-point underdog, a lot of people, a lot of fans that are rooting for other teams to get in the back part of that college football playoff will be rooting like crazy for Chip Kelly's team on, on Saturday night. I think this eliminates any hope of the Pac-12 having a representative in the Pac-12 in the uh, in the college it, football playoff. USC is their lone chance right now. Here's another thing about this game, Hutton. Um, Caleb Williams. This is a Pac-12 after sunset game. This ain't Pac-12 after dark. This is prime time. This is Fox. Yep. This is a network. This is a chance for Caleb Williams in a high-profile game to up that Heisman stock in a big way. That's why I said I, he was fifth in the odds this week, Chad. But I like, I mean, he's plus 1,500 
But he is going to be in the primetime matchups moving forward now with momentum because they're going to be the big debate if they continue to be the one-loss team, right? Yep. And UCLA, I know they're at home. This should be a home atmosphere for USC based on the home crowds we've seen all year for the Bruins. I mean, they've been they've awful. Been, they've been non-existent. They haven't even allowed fans in the end zones. They don't even, so they don't have to clean up after like three people who sit there. I think you can just walk in and get a sideline pass right now. Here's, here's the thing. Come on down. Let's go. This we'll is a sign a of the times in college football. With this rivalry matchup. So you have um, uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Yep. He is in his fifth matchup in this rivalry. Meanwhile, USC will play 40 different transfers. And this is their first game in this rivalry matchup. Yeah, welcome, I mean, just, welcome to college football 2022 where you've got 85 free agents every year yes. on every roster and everyone could look a little bit different could look slightly different or very different depending on the year top 10 games quickly I'm going to run through all of them Boise State at Wyoming at number 10 Duke at Pittsburgh in the ACC at number 9 Georgia Kentucky the 330 Eastern CBS game at number 8 game number 7 Texas at Kansas 6 Iowa at Minnesota Five, back to the SEC for Ole Miss at Arkansas. Four, TCU at Baylor. Three, Oklahoma State at Oklahoma. And then Pac-12 games at 2-1. and one. Utah at Oregon. Pac-12 after dark on ESPN. USC at UCLA. The game of the week. 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central on Fox. So this is, uh, just briefly, this is a great example of the lack of depth and perception of the Big Ten. Illinois, Michigan is not in your top ten. They were one of the three that I had to cut but they weren't the first cut. They were deeper down. They were probably the first. Sorry, they were the first one cut off the list to not make the top 12. Illinois, who was 7-1. Well, I'm looking one, at 13 or 14 They lost two straight. They're a 17-point underdog to Michigan. And it's on ABC. Yeah. I don't not think it's going to be close. Hit us up with your thoughts at Outkick360. Coming up, outright winners this weekend for underdogs in the NFL. I've got three for you that I'm playing at outkick.com slash bet. Hope you'll join along as well. And then Danny Cannell joins us in 15 minutes on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Week 11 is here across the NFL, and that means it is time to head over to outkick.com slash bet. Outkick.com slash bet is where you can join us for our NFL underdog winners i've got three of them for you this week and chad i'm starting in atlanta the chicago bears are winning this week in atlanta battle of the run games i get it arthur smith he's very good when it comes to just running the football they don't want to throw it neither does justin fields but the difference is justin fields is coming into his own he's been excellent as of late and Atlanta, I know, 10 days to prepare here. Their next four opponents, very winnable. The Bears, though, to me, have turned a corner a bit offensively. And they lost to the Lions 31-30. to But if you'd have told me that that Bears offense in the first month of the season was going to be putting up 30 points and I was going to be confident in them, 
would have told you you're crazy. Uh, the Falcons' last opponent was the Panthers this season. 0-8 if you play the Panthers and then turn around and try to win a game the, the week following. Justin Fields has been sacked 36 times. That's awful. Uh, but he leads the NFL with 48 runs for a first down. I think they control the clock. I think that Chicago wins a, a very fun, entertaining game. I would take them on the money line. I'm taking the Jets as well. The Patriots have owned the Jets. The Jets are 6-3. and three. The Patriots at 5-4 and four sit at the bottom of their division, a very good division. The Jets have allowed just 15.9 points per game over their last six games. I think that carries over. Five of those six games have been wins. Give me the Jets winning in Foxborough against a team that traditionally they do not win against. Mac Jones has averaged 5.2 yards per attempt in his last two games. Now, granted, those are both wins for the Patriots, but this is a different secondary. Sauce Gardner and company, I think, wreak havoc on any time they try to pass the football this week. I'm taking the Jets on the road to win and keep the momentum going. They're going to be 7-3 going into Thanksgiving weekend. And Chiefs and Chargers, interesting here, because I normally don't bet against Kansas City. This is flexed into Sunday night football because this has been a really good matchup between Herbert and Mahomes since uh, Justin Herbert came to the league. Give me the Chargers because their backs are against the wall in this. They've got to win. They are banged up. This is It feels like a last stand game for them. And Chad, I think the roll the dice type mentality on fourth down at some point pays off. My money's going to ride a little bit, little money with the Chargers. Let's go. $5 parlay pays 83 bucks if you hit that. Danny Cannell next.